there are so many different ways to start a business. If you want to build a restaurant, there are 30 plus ways you can get going, maybe more. However, most entrepreneurs fall in love with their first idea. And then they follow through on that idea, no matter the risk, the cost, or the problems. In this episode, I'm with Keith Hunt, and we're reviewing some of the ideas Keith has for building his restaurant to decide on the next steps to building his dream. Don't fall in love with your first idea. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome back to The Rebel Entrepreneur and I have with me today Keith Hunt of Red Headed Step Tacos. Welcome back to the show, Keith. How are you doing? Thanks so much, Alan. Good. Good to be here. Yourself? I am excited. I'm in Mexico. We're planning a breakfast out later. So, well, you know me. My favorite activity is to go out for breakfast and have a chat over a nice coffee. So that makes my day. But we're here to talk about you, Keith. <laughs> That's the purpose of this show. In the last episode, we were talking about where next, because you'd run your mini experiment, you'd move states, and now you were coming up with where you're going next. Has anything changed since we last spoke? Well, you know me, I don't like to sit around. So I've been doing a little investigating here and there, trying to get closer to my goal. So a couple new things. One, probably the most exciting, as I said last time, in order to open a mobile food business in this area, you have to have a commissary agreement, which means you have some type of facility that lets you park your truck or trailer every night and you use it for storage, for wastewater disposal, things of that nature. And I told you I'd gone around town talking to coffee shops and some different places that I thought wouldn't uh, consider me a threat. And went out with my daughter to a couple more coffee shops, bakeries, couldn't quite find a place where the manager was available or the owner. And then finally came upon a, a little smoothie shop. And I walked in and I said, oh. hey, you know, this is what we're doing. And before I could even finish my spiel, she said, oh, what's the name of your food truck? I said, oh, uh, Redheaded Step Taco. Oh, I just, I love that. That is hilarious. And then she <laughs> says, oh, are you looking for a three compartment sink? And, uh, you know, I thought she was about to shut me down and say, sorry, I don't have one. I was like, well, I don't know if I specifically have to have a three compartment sink, but, you know, I would need this and that. And she hands me a card and says, yep, yeah, well, it's $50 a month. And, uh, yeah, I do this for several other food trucks. So here you go. Give me a call and we can uh, discuss it. <laughs> and kind of took, That's amazing. Yeah, it took me off guard. I was like, wait, what did you say? Are, are you agreeing? <laughs> So yeah, I walked out still a little dazed and confused, wondering what just happened. But uh, yeah, so it's looking like that big hurdle is now solved. So yeah, 50 bucks a month. And I had to laugh. My daughter said, she's, you know, eight years old. She says, uh, Daddy, uh, $50 a month, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I said, I know it sounds like a lot of money, but that's actually a really good deal, sweetie, for uh, for this. And so I had to explain to her a little bit of a business. And then afterwards, she goes, okay. And she says, wow, she's probably making a lot of money because she said she has more food trucks. Plus, she sells off her own food. And the wheels were starting to spin you know, in, her, in her head. So. 
entrepreneurship at an early age there. I yeah. love this. And I love that you go together. Like what an experience for her to be going, talking to strangers, going into the shop, obviously not talking to strangers alone, but you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, exactly. What an incredible experience. Okay, cool. So you found another option, which I'm a huge fan of that. And what I think I'm so admire about you, Keith, is you just get out there and go and talk to people. And I think so many of the entrepreneurs we meet are scared of doing that. They stay in their own place. They maybe send some emails, but they don't go into the places. So if you're listening to this right now, there is something to take away here. If you're looking for a space, if you're looking for something, actually go and see people. Go and see their faces. It's incredible when they get to see you, what connection that creates and what you'll find when you're out there. So that's a great update. Oh, you had something to add to that, Keith. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that's uh don't misinterpret. I was scared, very scared. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I sent out a few of those cold emails or Facebook messages to some businesses, you know, most of them to no response or, you know, it's easy just to blow me off. And so I knew that going in person was the best option. And, you know, I'm pretty outgoing, but I still have a hard time breaking the ice, you know, with strangers sometimes. And so, yeah, it's still, I haven't told my daughter that too. I said, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. And, you know, I'm a little scared, but I'm going to go do it anyway. I said, you know, just remember that even if you're scared, you know, sometimes you just got to do something and something good can come from it. So, yeah, don't uh, misinterpret. I was definitely uh, a little (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) I still get it, Keith. I still get it, especially if I haven't done a presentation for a while. I actually did a talk in Puerto Vallarta for the Digital Nomads group, Mm -hmm. and it was the first real-life presentation I've done since before the start of the pandemic. So it's over a year since I've done a presentation, and I had butterflies. I had the feeling, like, I'm a pro at this. This is what (laughs) I do, but I still got it. I still felt nervous and Yeah, I think it's acting in spite of those nerves or realizing that maybe it's a bit of excitement mixed in with nerves of what could actually happen. Exactly. And I've heard experts say that's actually a good thing. You know, they say if you're not feeling a little bit of that, something's wrong because it actually helps your mind and your body stay alert and deal with the excitement as it comes. So, yeah. Yeah, the way I look at it is if I'm not nervous doing a presentation, then I don't really care enough. (laughs) If I care, then I would have a little bit of it. It does get easier. Everyone listening to this, like if you get into presenting, it does get easier over the years. When you start to go into shops, the first one will be nerve wracking. The second one will be easier. And by the time you've done 20, you'll be fairly calm. It does get easier. But going out there is the way to find the opportunities. You will not find them in the same way just by emailing and Googling. Hit the streets. I sound like an old school person, but (laughs) hit the streets definitely changes. Yeah, it's uh, easy to blow someone off on an email, but when you're there right in front of them, it's a little harder to tell them to go away. (laughs) Well, and also on an email, it's like I'm busy. I don't have time to deal with you. But when the person's there face to face and you see them smiling or you see their eyes and Mm -hmm. you think, okay, like maybe I could help. It's a different feeling. Yeah, and you say, and you know, it's, they receive. Oh, this guy's a real person. You know, I'm not getting scammed. You know, they, he seems normal. I told my daughter, "Hey, use your cute face, okay? You're gonna help me make this happen, okay?" <laughs> I think it went to her head a little bit, though. So, 
Use your cute face. Yeah. Excellent. I love that advice. If you're listening to this and you have kids, take them with you, get them to use their cute face. That's Keith's advice. I love it. Yep. So uh, like Keith, we were talking about bigger options and where to go with this. You have a full-time job, you have a giant family, and you're thinking of setting up again in the food business. How have your feelings shifted since last time we spoke about where to invest your time, what to do? Are you still gung-ho? Are you still going full in? What are you thinking, feeling? Yeah, I would say I'm still gung-ho. I'm definitely coming up with the different ideas that you challenged me to do. Um, it kind of just helped me uh, bring things in perspective and, and see that there is a full spectrum of, you know, high cost, high energy, high time commitment down to, you know, lower cost, lower time commitment. But yeah, definitely still have the passion, definitely excited to get it off the ground at some level and hoping to still do it in a way that, you know, the risk is minimized and to get some type of feedback here in this new area before I go all in. I love that. So one of the things Simon and I do, uh, Simon's my business partner, uh, Simon and I do when we are evaluating ideas is we think about the most important things to us. So whether it is minimizing startup cost, whether it is time investment, whether it is how excited I am by the idea, like am I passionate, am I throwing myself in, am I excited? We think about those criteria and then we look at the ideas and we go, do they fit those criteria for what I want to do next? Most people look at the ideas and they actually just, the first idea they come up with, they fall in love with and they go, this is the idea, I must do it. And they yeah. never take the time to evaluate, is this actually going to give me what I want? So I guess my first question for you, Keith, is what do you actually want? How are you going to evaluate the ideas? What do you actually want? Yeah, that's a good point. Like you said, it's easy to uh, fall in love with an idea. I think I mentioned before, I have that problem myself getting attached easily. And beyond that, maybe like a opportunity comes up, let's say a place for sale, and it seems like a good deal compared to others. But because of that, you ignore some of the other factors that make it not the best decision. You say, oh, if I don't jump on this right away, you know, it's going to go away and, you know, start to think something else won't come along, you know. Exactly. My wife always laughs at me when I go to the supermarket and there's a special offer and I'm like, wow, this food is on cheap. And she looks at me and goes, do you even want that? <laughs> yes. You get so caught up on it's a deal. I must do this, that you forget to evaluate whether it actually fits with your life. Exactly, yeah. There's a reason why there's people that go to school to learn how to uh, get you to buy those bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what do you actually want, Keith? What are the top criteria? What's most important to you? Yeah, I think we touched on it a little bit. I would say the top one would be flexibility right now, because as you mentioned, I've got the full-time job still, I've got the family. So absolutely uh, time flexibility that would allow me to open up on a whim, you know, work the days that I want, maintain kind of a untraditional or not set schedule. So that would absolutely be the most important. And then low startup costs for sure, for one, just because I don't have a giant wad of cash just sitting in the bank, but two, 
just to minimize my risk going in. And then I would say probably something that I can get off the ground sooner than later. Okay, so speed of startup, speed of... Is there a reason you want to get on with it so quickly? I would say, for one, while I'm excited about it, you know, um, (laughs) don't want to lose the passion, but... Two, because I know, you know, what my end goal is. And uh, the sooner I start the race, the sooner I'll finish it. Interesting. Sooner you'll finish the race. So are you building this just to get to the end or are you planning on enjoying the journey on the way? Definitely plan on enjoying the journey. Yeah, I would guess there's really not exactly an end, but um, kind of, I guess, a checkpoint (laughs) where I accomplish some of those other goals that we discussed last time about creating some time freedom and financial freedom for myself and my family. The reason I'm hesitating, Keith, is when you start a business, quite often it's the opposite of time freedom. And if you like what you're doing, which I get the sense you love making the tacos, you love speaking to the people, like you are awesome. If you like what you're doing, that's great because you're like, you don't feel like you're giving up time. If your end goal is to create time, like that is a journey to do it. That's a long journey to do it. Yeah. And when I started my business, like I started Rebel Business School in 2012 with Simon and like it didn't turn into a business where I got time back to be able to do the podcast and do some other projects that I wanted to do until like it probably took eight years to get to that point. Like that's not a quick and easy fix. It can be done sooner. I was learning on the way and I wasn't that good. You'll probably be way quicker (laughs) than I will. It's still a journey. And I just, when I hear your goals for entrepreneurship of buying back time to spend with the family, I feel like they're a juxtaposition. I feel as though you're actually going to spend more time in the short term. Yep, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, the thing that came to mind when you were talking was, you know, working for someone else is, uh, uh, I guess I would just say simply not my thing. <laughs> so <laughs> my wife can attest to this. When I'm working for someone else, I'm constantly complaining. Oh, I got to go in at this time. Oh, I got to stay till this time. Just having the uh, someone control my schedule and my decisions, it's, I'm a very free-spirited. And I just feel like, you know, like they say in the rat race, I'm in a, in a cage. I want to break free. And I would say, or, you know, they, they joke that an entrepreneur is someone who uh, is willing to work 24 hours a day for themselves rather than eight hours a day for someone else. And I would say that's true for me. And actually, I think, honestly, in the end, my family would probably enjoy being around me an hour a day when I'm <laughs> passionate about what I'm doing rather than, you know, three hours a day when I'm complaining and muttering under my breath and I'm so mentally exhausted that I'm just drained and and checked out and so yeah I look back to when I was doing the restaurant back in Ohio and you know I just felt alive all the time I had very little free time but I almost felt like I was you know in a better mood around the family you know on the one day a week that I wasn't working you know I I felt like I was kind of more present so in a sense I feel like even with a increased time commitment that I could actually be a step closer to my goal of uh, enjoying more time with the family. Cool. I love that. I think it's always important to check in (laughs) and go, will this business actually bring me what I want? 
because I have dived into many businesses, Keith, because I'm excited and then realized after a while, oh, these are the side effects of this business. I wasn't expecting that. I don't actually want it. So I think it's worth thinking this stuff through before you even get to it. So yeah, I think that's great. I hope you don't mind me pressing you no, a little bit. It's good. Like I said, it's it's always good for me to have someone talking me off the ledge because I <laughs> I tend to just jump right in. So yeah, I like the uh, thought provoking questions, and uh, you're you're asking all the right questions. <laughs> so there's two next levels. Number one is the long term vision, and then number two is where do we start today to start moving towards that long term vision? That's the kind of way I look at this. The reason I look at it like that is most people come up with the long-term vision and then they try and jump straight there. They forget to start where they are. So I think it's really important to have those two points. Long-term vision, where am I heading? What do I see? What are my options? And then what can I do today? What can we start selling this week? And I think you're very good at doing that with your series of mini experiments and we should keep doing that. We have had a little bit of a reset moving state. So we're going to be starting from a different position that we were in. We were a little bit further forward in Ohio, but that's okay. So run me through. The challenge was come up with a list of long-term options and near-term stuff to do. Let's start at the long-term and we're looking at them through the lens of, does it give me flexibility? What's the startup costs? And how quickly can I get on with that? That's our three criteria at the moment. We're assuming there is embedded excitement in all of them because they all involve (laughs) your favorite food. But those are the three criteria. So give me the first idea. Let's have a little look on those three criteria. Yeah, I think I'll start with the biggest, uh, you know, dream out there. We can work our way down the biggest cost, biggest time commitment. So I would say that would be opening up... uh, at least one, if not multiple brick and mortar restaurants with, you know, having franchises, whatever it may be, but essentially making Redheaded Step Taco a a household name the world over with uh, some brick and mortar restaurants. So that is the big vision. Yep. I love that. Brick and mortar restaurant. Okay. That's the sort of end goal. Then I guess we've got the steps you've identified in between, haven't we? Yes. Which, okay, so the end goal is the brick and mortar restaurant. Yep. And then we talked about, you know, there's obviously different methods of doing that. Of course, it takes money. And, you know, there's ideas I'm less fans of, but since we're talking about everything, you know, getting investors or going into debt, obviously not a fan of. We talked last time about more creative ways like crowdfunding. So, yeah, just some different ideas of getting to that goal. So let's go through the actual ideas you've got here to move towards that goal. Number one was business to business catering and you put work lunches. Run me through what you had in mind there. Yeah. So all the day jobs I've worked at, you know, we've had caterers come in and, you know, most of the time dropping off food, but occasionally actually setting up there and and serving food. So just a little bit different than a traditional catering model where you're finding you know, individual customers, you know, for weddings or whatever, the business to business, just, you know, if you find the right niche, I think there's just opportunity to develop relationships and, you know, find more customers. So 
that obviously would still require a commercial kitchen somewhere. But yeah, that was just uh, one idea of how to get my products into the market. So it's actually quite interesting. You mentioned that, Keith. I have a friend in the UK who built an incredibly successful business running restaurants in other people's buildings. And how we did it was offices quite often have their own inbuilt canteen restaurant. Like if you've got a big office and a lot of staff, quite often they have their own restaurant, their own canteen. And he never wanted to own the building. He never wanted the debt of setting the place up. He actually found businesses that had that and he did deals with them to run the restaurant in their space Mm -hmm. and sell to their office staff and other people if they wanted to come in. And then they had a profit share and a quality thing. And that ended up spreading all across the United Kingdom. He ended up running all of the restaurants in the BBC's offices in different large companies. But it all started with finding one company that wanted a restaurant in their office and going from there. So maybe there is an option, even within business-to-business catering, of actually having a kitchen. Because some of these offices already have a kitchen built in. They already have this. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, my list here, it's a little convoluted because some it's hard to delineate You know what would be a long-term, what would be a short-term option. But on potentially a short-term option, I'd put something similar that basically find any place that has a commercial kitchen that's not a restaurant, uh, because like you said, there's businesses, there might be churches, there might be, you know, child care centers, whatever it may be. But yeah, I actually worked at a facility that had about 2000 employees in Ohio for my day job. And I actually went and spoke to the manager of the kitchen and I showed him my idea and we were actually on track to potentially guest restaurant there once a week. And then that's when the pandemic hit. That's when I ended up moving. And so, yeah, they went from having everybody eating in the kitchen to (laughs) nobody's allowed in the cafeteria. And then it was slowly starting to build back up. But yeah, that got shut down. But in a perfect world, I may have had that opportunity. But yeah, definitely, you know, that's not the only company out there. So it's uh, an option for sure. So let's look at that option of guest kitchening in someone's office. How does that fit with your flexibility? Yeah, I would say that offers quite a bit of flexibility because whenever I would go to negotiate the contract with the company, basically I would give them my availability so I wouldn't be necessarily locked in to specific dates or time commitment. You know, I could say these are the days I'm available. How does it fit with startup costs? Uh, very low <laughs> because <laughs> if I find the right company, uh, then they could potentially have all the equipment and what, who knows if they didn't have some piece of equipment, I do have some of my own that potentially, you know, I could use. So we've got good flexibility, low startup costs. How does it fit with speed? I think that could be, could happen pretty quickly. The, I would say the one downside is right now, a lot of people are still working from home due to the pandemic. I know Mm. my brother-in-law works for one of those big companies that normally has thousands of employees in their own cafeteria and everything, and they're all working from home indefinitely. So, Uh, But if I could find one that's operating, at least at some level, uh, then I think it could be pretty quick. 
Yes, and there is an element of some flexibility with the tail end of the pandemic. And hopefully with everyone getting vaccinated, we'll start to head back to some semblance of a normal life. Yeah. That option seems to fit your criteria quite well there, Keith. Yeah, I would say as we were talking there, I did remember one caveat, one more piece of criteria that I would say I'm kind of looking for, which is my end goal of opening up something more permanent in my current town. Basically, I would want whatever I'm doing to kind of roll into that. Um, You know, it's one thing if I found some business 45 minutes away that's letting me cater to their employees. It's not going to be building my brand and following here in my my town necessarily. So I would say that would be my one drop. The one drawback with that idea would be it wouldn't necessarily roll into building my uh, the next step in my goal, which would be opening up somewhere more permanent here locally. So if you found the office that was nearby, would that build towards the end goal? I think potentially, yeah, although it uh, would limit the, depending on the situation, it could limit the amount of customers if they only cater to their direct employees. And then also just the nature of this town. There aren't so many big businesses here. It's mostly, you know, retail, food, you know, a little bit of doctor's office, small doctor's office, things of that nature. Mostly um, everyone's commuting 20 minutes away to the, at least to the edge of the metropolitan area. So it would be a little limited in this specific area. So if you found somewhere that had an office 20 minutes away, how might that build towards a restaurant? How could you use that? Yeah, I think if uh, obviously, you know, uh, the bigger the company, probably the better, just because more, more people would know about it. They could spread the word. I could say, hey, you know, Keep me in mind, I'm in the process of opening, you know, my own restaurant or food truck or whatever. You know, they could be the early adopters. But yeah, it definitely wouldn't be, you know, a total waste. But yeah, it could roll a little bit into the next idea probably. So for me, Keith, it's a huge opportunity. If you've got 2,000 people who are enjoying your food and you can start to build a mailing list, it's not keep me in mind. Like there's no hoping that they'll come back to you. Yeah. It's capture their email addresses and track them down. Uh, it's build the list. The list is so important. And I think when people do this stuff, the mini experiments, the pop-ups and different things, they forget to build the list. They just go, oh, when I come back, would you be interested? And people go, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then that's the end of it. And then they have no way to tell them about their next pop-up. They have no way to tell them about their next restaurant, their next thing, their next tent, whatever it is. Like, we need to be using every opportunity to build the list. Because if you did this and you did a few pop-up events here, you worked in an office there, you suddenly had a list of 2,000 people in the local area who love your food. Like, what happens next time you do an event? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, like you said, it wouldn't have to be one business because that might be one day a week. I could go to another business the other day of the week. I would say probably the biggest hurdle to this idea would be the fact that I'm still working my day job, which means I have to be at my job (laughs) during the lunch hour. So uh, logistically, that could be difficult. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that would take a day off every now and again. 
but I guess you don't get many vacation days in America and you probably <laughs> want to spend them with your wife. <laughs> that, that is a good You're point. You're not like us Europeans that gets lots of holidays. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got an idea there. It's good. It's solid. There's a few challenges. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. And I think part of this is like taking a look at each idea in turn, maybe even putting some numbers against them, going it's flexibility, it's a nine, startup costs, it's a nine, speed, it's quick, but build towards restaurant is probably a six or seven. And having a look at those different criteria and going, which idea is actually going to give me the most of what I want? Yeah. So let's have a look at your second idea, which is franchises operate in another restaurant during off hours, like brunch restaurant. Tell me about that one. Yep. So those are kind of two separate ones. The franchising would be, you know, once I was established and wanted to expand and take over the world with my tacos. So that uh, definitely not uh, something in the near future as far as the operating in like in a brunch restaurant. This is similar to what you'd mentioned. I think this was actually one of the first times I heard you on a podcast. You had mentioned somebody opening up during the off hours of some other restaurant. Yes. So yeah, I haven't done too much legwork here. I have noticed a few restaurants around town and looked up a couple that at least match the hours where they're not open during afternoons or evenings, but I haven't actually gone in and talked to any of them in person, but definitely an option if you can find the, the right business that's willing to take a chance on you and you know it doesn't see you as a threat. Yes, that's definitely the piece. It's not seeing you as a threat. It's seeing you as an added bonus that will help them get towards their goal. And I think that's the key there. So operating in someone else's restaurant during off hours, how does that do with flexibility? Yeah, I'd say um, could potentially be flexible if you set it up that way. You know, if you say, oh, we don't necessarily need to do this on an ongoing basis, but how about, you know, this specific date, you know, can we just do a little pop-up experiment or it could potentially lock you in if they want to do like an actual lease and have you committed to coming certain days for an extended amount of time. But I guess it depends on, you know, how you set it up. So It does indeed depend on how you set it up. And most of the time people like to do testers mm-hmm. <laughs> pop-ups to start with let's see if we like working together let's do one weekend or one whatever it is and then go from there and yeah depending on how you set it up it gives you whatever flexibility you want you could do a pop-up see how it goes and then decide i just want to do it once a month or i just want to do it x yeah startup costs how's this one on startup costs yeah definitely on the lower side because once again they've got the existing kitchen space and you're just borrowing it essentially so cool speed uh once again could get off the ground pretty quickly because you don't have to get the equipment don't have to build anything it's just uh, going out doing the legwork finding the venue that's the biggest challenge is finding the person finding the bits once you've found that, the speed of doing it can be fairly quickly because everything's in place. Yep, exactly. And uh, just to piggyback off what you said earlier about finding someone who sees you as a benefit, basically that's how it went with that smoothie restaurant that agreed to uh, let us use them as a commissary. You know, as opposed to some of these other businesses I've heard in the area from some other uh 
mobile food vendors, they said, oh, yeah, we tried finding a commissary here in town. It was very difficult because people, you know, saw us as a threat. And yet here's this lady making an extra few hundred bucks a month from essentially doing nothing, just letting people come dump their dirty water in her sink, you know. And who knows, <laughs> she could get enough food trucks where she's making more money doing that than uh, making smoothies. So, yeah, I think you just have to pitch it in the right way and show them this isn't just for me, you know, I'm looking for something that benefits you as well. Exactly, exactly. It should be a win-win situation where you both do well out of this. So let's take that then. You found a commissary space, the food truck business. How are you feeling about getting a truck, getting a trailer and getting back out there that way? So yeah, that's uh, definitely been at the top of my mind here, I would say, because for those same reasons, looking for flexibility, looking for uh, lower startup costs. And even with a food truck, you know, or trailer, there's varying degrees of, of cost. So most expensive would be to go out and build a brand new one. You know, those fully equipped are going to cost you 40, 50, $60,000 plus, depending on how fancy you go with it. I would say another option is, uh, Buying a used one, you know, which is probably going to take it down to about twenty, thirty thousand. Could still even be more at that point. If you want a fixer upper, you might be able to get one for mm. ten or fifteen. And then step below that, I think we discussed a little bit last time, would be potentially renting one. So you're still getting the the flexibility and then lower startup costs because you're uh, just got your deposit and your your monthly rent. So I've actually, I had the idea um, after we last spoke, I think when I was making this list, so thank you. <laughs> I said, you know, I already had that one business that advertises rental for their food trucks, food trailers. What about people who aren't advertising uh, rental and maybe they're trying to sell and they can't and they'd rather get some money than no money. So I got on Facebook Marketplace, started looking around. And I saw, you know, not a ton, but maybe five or 10 people who had a food truck or food trailer on the market. And many of them, you know, said listed over a week ago. And so I just sent out a bunch of messages and copy, paste, copy, paste. Uh, Hello, um, I've got this restaurant idea. I ran this restaurant in Ohio. It went well, looking to get established here. I see you've got this for sale. Is there any chance you might consider renting it out on a short-term basis or for potentially some uh, weekend events here or there? And uh, some blew me off. Some responded saying, sorry, just really looking to sell. And uh, actually, two of them responded saying, uh, yes, I would actually consider that. And one of them I actually have an appointment with today to go um, check it out. (laughs) That's exciting. Yeah. So I don't know if... I probably have the shiny object syndrome right now, so you can uh, talk me off the ledge, but it's uh, bigger than the the trailer that I discussed last time that was for rent for the 2400 a month. This one, he wants 2500 a month. It's about twice the size, got all the fancy equipment, and same deposit. He wants five grand deposit and same lease period, which is six months. The nice thing is he shares my background, uh, military background. He's actually a retired, you know, veteran and had the connection there. And then he also has a background in the food business himself, obviously. And he actually doesn't have to work. You know, he has income from other sources. So he says he's willing to help people essentially establish their business 
he actually rented out the same trailer to uh, someone else until recently, which is why he was going to sell it. And he actually helped the guy develop his menu. Um, for the first few months, the guy went on his own and was failing. And this guy came in and said, hey, how about we tweak this? How about we tweak that? Add this menu item, take this menu item off. And they were able to get him profitable, you know, within a few months. He said by the end, the guy was bringing in like gross sales, about 30 grand a month, just working Thursday, Fridays, um, Saturdays. So definitely it looks like, you know, that could be a, a good option just to have someone in my corner that understands the business. And he seems like a really uh, open guy as far as sharing knowledge and, you know, potentially even at no additional cost, you know, just being a tenant, you know, if if you want to call it that. So how excited about this idea are you and how does it move you towards the restaurant? I would say I'm very excited about this because it gives me even more flexibility than some of those other ideas we talked about, especially now that I found the that commissary that was kind of the missing link that was preventing Mm. me from doing something like this. So, you know, sometimes when I'm deciding what I want to do in life, just going with my gut feeling and seeing things falling into place, you know, it's, yes, you always have to be prepared to work through obstacles, but sometimes if you're hitting wall after wall after wall, you know, that can be a sign like, hey, maybe this isn't the path I should be going down. Whereas when things start falling into place, then that could be a sign like, hey, maybe this is uh, the path I'm supposed to be on right now. So I feel good about it in that sense. Um, But like I said, I don't want to have the uh, shiny object syndrome, but it definitely checks off some of those things with the ultimate flexibility. I could literally choose to not do anything for a month or I could go out, you know, seven days a week if I wanted. And, uh, you know, startup costs a little more than some of those other ideas, Uh, you know, with the deposit and the monthly rent, it does lock me in, you know, for at least six months. However, I was thinking in business, everything's negotiable, they say. So uh, my thought was actually to talk to him and say, hey, you know, you know, my background, I'm trying to get off the ground here with as little startup as I can. I know you mentioned six month lease. Is there any way we could put, you know, a clause in there that says I can get out after one month and just lose, you know, half of my deposit, or maybe I pay you for two months up front if it gives me that option, or maybe I give you an extra $500 the first month, if you get, you know, give me that option, something along those lines that gives me at least an out. Cause I think after one month, that would be enough for me to know, okay, is this working? Do I want to keep going with this? Well, it's interesting. So what will you know after one month that you don't know now? So as I mentioned last time, I think I, I'm very confident in, you know, the reception I got in Ohio, the, you know, people love the name, they love the food. I guess that one thing holding me back here that I'm hesitant about in a new location is just, is that same enthusiasm going to transfer over here, being a different market? And like I said there, it was uh, extreme novelty because no one had heard of fried bread tacos, period. Here, most people have heard of them, but they haven't had the redheaded step taco so <laughs> <laughs> the redheaded step tacos i love that so my thought there is how can we find out if the excitement exists ready to do the experiment with the trailer 
so that you can go more into it. Because if the one thing you will know after a month is, does the excitement exist? Is there a way to find out first and then to go full in on the trailer? So normally um, my response would have been to go back to my roots of my food uh, tent and I've got all the equipment and literally it would have just been finding a local event, whether it be farmer's market, whether it be car show or whatever, and get a little one day permit, which is usually 50 to 100 bucks, get the food and just do a couple of local events. That I looked into that, and unfortunately, once again, thanks to the pandemic, my county has actually suspended all temporary event licenses indefinitely. So that wow. would have been a great opportunity to just do a quick little event here or there to gauge the interest in the town and then get that confidence to move on to something like that. So, yeah, that is unfortunate. <laughs> That is seriously unfortunate, seriously unfortunate and does not help you. I do not know the answer to this, so this is a question. Is there a way to, like, you're rolling the dice with the truck with a fair amount of money. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to roll the dice with a smaller amount of money and do a free giveaway? Do the rules in your county allow you to give away food? Can you find a busy space that you can do tasters and capture email addresses? So you go, look, I'm going to be launching a restaurant. Please try this. If you like it, give me your email address. I'll let you know when I open the real thing. Then if you've got a bunch of email addresses, like you're basically buying marketing so that when you do open up the trailer, you've got a bunch of people to do it. And you know if there's excitement for the flavor and the food. I don't know. Is there a way legally there's some bits around that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. I think I could be limited by the health department rules, but... I think with every idea, it doesn't hurt to look into, you know, just dismissing it off the bat could rob you of some opportunity. So, yeah, it's definitely something I could look into. The other option I kind of touched on earlier, this guy seemed pretty level-headed and he wasn't just all about the money. You know, he was trying to sell the trailer and just the fact that I pitched him, hey, would you mind renting it out? You know, and he sat and chatted for me for probably 20 minutes just telling me anything and everything about it. And so I have a, a kind of a gut feeling that if I say to him, hey, look, like I really would like to just go all in, do the six month lease, but like, you know what it's like being in the restaurant industry. I know he mentioned, you know, I, I want you to be successful. I say, I really feel like my biggest chance of success would be just doing some type of experiment here in my town. Like, could we just possibly do a one weekend thing? I'll pay you two thousand dollars for the one event or one thousand or whatever it may be you know something way above what a normal daily rate is that you know whatever it takes within reason to sweeten the deal and i think that could be an option and then i'd say you know if it's if it's successful then i would feel comfortable you know going with the six month lease that's really interesting keith because that's doing the mini experiment in the trailer you do a three-day thing, we do all the marketing, we build up, we know what's coming. You go and run the three days, you know what your costs are, and we see where you get to. I think that's a really smart way to test it if we can get the guy with the trailer to agree to that mini weekend experiment. Yeah, I mean, I don't see what he really has to lose considering he's literally just got it listed for sale, making no money. And if I come in and say, here's some money. And <laughs> at the end of this weekend, 
you'll be in the same place you were before, just with more money in your pocket. So, Yeah, I guess the one fear I would have if that was me is I don't know you that well, Keith. Is my food truck going to come back in as good a state as it is now? Yeah. That would be my one fear as an owner. Yeah, and I could, you know, he has a $5,000 deposit for a six-month lease. I could say, hey, I'll even give you the full deposit. And if the three-day thing proves, hey, this is a terrible idea, you know, then I just get my deposit back. If not, just keep the deposit and we'll just go ahead and sign the longer lease. Which then you're making it very attractive. You're taking away all his objections. You're helping him to feel comfortable. You're actually going to look after his trailer and you're going to care for it. And I think that's one of the biggest things is always put something back better than you found it. And then people want to lend it to you again. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Like it feels here, Keith, that this is the idea you're most excited about. It feels like you've done some thinking and you know the way to go with this. Yeah, it definitely feels good. And like you said, excited about it. Yeah, at this point, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not getting too excited about it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so last question before we come up with what the next steps are is what are the downsides of this plan? What could go wrong? Because it's always worth having a little look at the risks before we dive headfirst in. What could go wrong, Keith? Yeah, I would say, you know, if I went straight into the six month lease, there's the potential that after a month or whatever it may be that I say, okay, this isn't getting the reception that I thought it would here, you know, and I have to negotiate to try to get out of the lease, maybe lose some money on it. If I could get him to agree to a small term option, then I think that kind of takes away that downside. So really, yes. probably the biggest downside is he could say no. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, so if he says yes to the mini experiment, the week test, the weekend test, I think that is a genius way to do it, Keith. If we can like appease him, find a way to do a weekend test. I think that is brilliant because then you can set the weekend test for a month's time, spend your time setting up for the food, doing some promotion online, doing some bits. I'll share it on the podcast, Keith. We'll mail some people. Let's <laughs> nice. get the word out. And then you've got an audience built in and we can see, like, let's market it and see if we can do it. I think that's a, a brilliant idea. I don't see much downside of doing a weekend test. I actually think it's the perfect stepping stone to the next step. It's better than my idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it has a lot of potential. And, you know, I'm not a marketing guy, but, you know, just doing some brainstorming, I thought, you know, why not try to get some foodies involved? Uh, everybody loves food. And you've got, I'm not into Instagram yet, mm -hmm. but I know that is a very big platform for sharing pictures of food and you know tiktok as well once again not into it yet but um, using those two platforms i think could draw people in even just for a weekend event i actually did a search you know online for phoenix food bloggers slash instagrammers and i've actually found some articles that had them listed right there with links to their pages and i found about 10 that that's literally all they do, which maybe I'm in the wrong job. I think I would like to do what they do. Just uh, <laughs> go around and eat good food, take pictures of it. And, you know, the Instagrammers, they don't even have to write anything like the bloggers. They just have a nice camera, make the food look delicious, and then they get free food and uh, paid promotion, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I think if I reached out to some of them and said, hey, I've got this 
up and coming concepts that everyone's going to love. Do you want to be the first food blogger in the area to talk about it? I think that's a great idea. And I think then we're getting into the marketing. I feel pumped about this, Keith. I don't know about you. I'm excited. You've got the meeting today, which is excellent. How are you going to approach the meeting today? Yeah, you know, I'm glad it's today because originally we had talked about um, yesterday, him and I, and then when he followed up, he's like, oh, we're still on for Thursday. And I was like, yes, I like Thursday better. Then I have a chance to run this by (laughs) Alan first. So I don't, you know, if he shows up with a lease and talks me into it, then I, you know, I'll have to drag my feet to the interview with Alan. Be like, Alan, you didn't stop me in time. (laughs) But no, um, I'll probably just like we discussed, try to make it look like a mutually beneficial thing and say, hey, you know, I'm not trying to make this difficult on you, but I don't want to get into this and find out it's not going to work. And then here you are a month into it and you're having to put it on the market again and find someone else to either rent it or sell it or whatever. How about we try this out and, you know, has a high chance of being beneficial for both of us. Um, And I'm pretty confident in my idea based on the response I got before. And and I did send him over my, he wanted to see uh, what I was working on before. I sent him the Facebook link. He was pretty impressed with it and thought it looked great. And so, you know, I think he should have some confidence as well that this could work, especially with his input, uh, potentially, since he does have some experience. I love that. Excellent. So if I were you, Keith, I would approach this by connecting with him first, finding out much about him. What was his food truck? What did he do? Learn about him, connect about him. That's the start is engage and understand. Then you can start to unpack where you want to go. And my objective for the meeting, if I was you, would be to get a weekend mini experiment and to make it worth his while. And it leads to the bigger thing. I just want to do the experiment to see if there is enough interest in the town for what I'm doing. We'll do all the promotion, we'll do all the work. I think that is a great way to go. And you're rolling the dice or taking a risk on a smaller amount of money to learn whether the bigger idea will work. And I think that that's absolutely the way to go to start. Yeah, I like the idea about connecting, you know, obviously in a genuine way, you know, not, oh, I'm going to come in and win him over just so I can do this. But like, we are both, um, like I said, come from a military background. Him, a seasoned veteran, I think he said he was in 14 years, you know, deployed to Afghanistan. And here I am wow. fresh out of my training. But one thing that attracted me to the military was kind of that brotherhood. I'd seen my brother-in-law, who's in the Air Force, run into people when I was with him. That, and they just had this instant connection, you know, just friends right from the start. So I feel like we even just over the phone made a connection because of that, you know, he's knows all the lingo, you know, asking me about my training. And you kind of have that camaraderie from the beginning, not to mention some added trust, you know, because, you know, kind of the standards that it takes to be in the military. So I think that alone could probably instill in him a little bit of confidence. I think so. And you're absolutely right. It comes from a place of genuine interest. Like as soon as you go into a meeting trying to understand someone else and you're not that interested, you're doing it just to fake a connection, doesn't work. It always comes from, I'm just genuinely intrigued. How did you start in this? What made you get a food truck? Where did you go? I'm just interested. Yeah. That's how you create a connection. One final thought, um, because 
if I don't talk about this before, I know I'll look back and probably regret it. But in the case that he says, no, we are not interested in doing the, the weekend one. It's all, all or nothing, you know, the best option to move forward at that point. So I need to tell myself it's okay to walk away. You know, if I don't think that it's in my best interest to jump right in with something like that. So yes, that will take some reining in, but I think probably there's, oh, there's definitely going to be more opportunities out there. I just have to decide, is it worth that risk or do I just pass and stay? I'll keep looking for something else that has the opportunity for smaller risk up front. So Keith, the first thing is you do not have to make a decision today, no matter what it is. And I think there's so many places that try and get you to make a decision now. You do not have to make a decision today, Keith. So just collect all the information, collect the ideas. If you get your ideal objective of a weekend mini experiment, then just agree it and make it happen because it's low risk and it's fantastic for you. If you don't, collect the information, regroup, discuss it with your partner, discuss it with your like your trusted confidants, come and discuss it with me. Let's work out where to go from there. You do not have to do anything today. Just relax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. There's always another opportunity. Yeah. Cool. Right, Keith, will you come back on the show and tell us what happened? Absolutely. <laughs> and work out what to do. Yes, we'll leave everybody hanging here. And uh, I hopefully I have some type of good news. <laughs> Either yes, he went for it or no, he didn't. But, you know, here's this other opportunity. So I love that. I'm excited, Keith, because if we get the deal where we can do the weekend mini experiment, I'm excited with you to do an episode on marketing a food truck, <laughs> an episode just before, one afterwards where we review the mini experiment. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I will do everything I can to help you make this successful. Well, I appreciate that. Positive Fives coming your way for today then, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. So here are the three things I would love you to take away from this episode. The first is knowing your why. Why are you starting this business? What is the end outcome you're working towards? Is it more time with your family? Does this business you're starting actually take you where you want to be? You need to be so clear that building a business is actually going to give you what you want. If you don't know your why, how do you know if your business is delivering it for you or not? That's the first one. The second is don't just get stuck on one idea. I meet so many entrepreneurs that get stuck on, I must have a building and they can't get past it. What I want you to do is come up with lots of options. Come up with a huge number of options. Options help you to see things differently. They help you in the journey of discussing it and coming up with the ideas. Keith came up with the idea of a weekend experiment after we chatted about the food trucks, which never would have come out with the brainstorming and the ideation. Like come up with a list of ideas, chat it through with someone that is good at being supported with ideas. Don't share it with someone who kills ideas. Find someone who supports your ideas. Come up with lots of options and then pick the one that you actually want to do. The third thing I wanted to share with you is mini experiments. You know how passionate I am about this subject. If you don't know there is a market for what you do, then do a mini experiment. And that was actually Keith's biggest fear. Is there a market for what I'm offering here? The only way to know if the customers want what you have is to ask them. Do a mini experiment. 
Find a way to do it in as low a risk way as you can and ask people to buy. If they buy, you have a potential business on your hands. If they don't buy, you've dodged a bullet, you've dodged debt, you've dodged problems. Mini experiments can help you test your ideas, work out what's going to work and help you to make progress quickly. Thank you for listening to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. If you have a few moments after this episode and you've not left me a review yet, I would love you to go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast player and leave us a review for the podcast. It means so much to me that these podcasts are actually helping you. Thank you for listening. Get out there, build your business, build the business of your dreams that actually creates the life you want to live. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. I want you to build an extraordinary life for yourself. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.